Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dan Watkins here with another episode of After Further Review. We're going to call this podcast number 90 for those of you counting at home. My normal co-host, Kevin Latito, not with me this week. Uh, Kev is, I believe, I think he's doing JV basketball again. They brought him back surprisingly for another season. They didn't kick him out. Uh, So Kev is at JV basketball tryouts tonight. Uh, which means I have a guest co-host, and that is my good friend Chris Mason of the Eagle Tribune. You guys probably know Chris. We've had him on here quite a few times in the past, mostly talking Red Sox, some other Boston sports stuff. But uh, Chris is kind of at the end of his uh, two-week vacation here since baseball season ended because my man just co- uh, went through an entire World Series run with the Red Sox. Chris, how you doing? Good, man. It's been a beautiful vacation, but all good things must come to an end. Yeah, right? <laughs> so i, I got to ask you... You're in your, what, the second full year on the beat, right? Yep. And you get to cover a World Series run with arguably one of the best baseball teams we've ever seen. Definitely in our lifetimes. I mean, just by the total wins and then of Red Sox teams ever. What what was it like covering a World Series? I mean, the World Series itself, was it's a spectacle, man. It's really cool. It's, I mean, the Chavez Ravine, that stadium out in L.A. is unbelievable. It's probably my favorite non-Fenway that I've ever been to. Um but it was funny covering that team all year long. Basically, it started out, and I was like, I think this team's going to be really good. Right. And you have so much, no, they can't be that good. They're not going to be that good. It's like, no, I think they're going to be pretty good. And, like, all year long, they never really let up, which is just crazy. Like, you never really see wire-to-wire champions like that in baseball. Yeah, it's 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 weird, though. But the past two years, because the Astros yeah, were like that last year, and I think the Cubs were kind of in that category. But So that's almost like a trend now, these last three years. Uh, with the Red Sox this year, I remember we did that kind of season preview podcast at the beginning where it was like, okay, if all these pieces kind of fit together, David Price's arm uh, holds up, which it did more than that. I mean, I've already gone, I've I've taken everything back. I mean, it's he did what Lackey did in 2013 and then just like completely like one up, two up, three up that mm-hmm. of what Lackey did. I mean, you've never been overly critical of Price, but I know you've, I mean, who hasn't written something critical of the guy? Because yeah. he's he's deserved it in the past. But just David Price, I mean, what do you, what do you got to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, I crushed him for the Eck thing uh, last year, all that BS. But, I mean, you can't argue with his October. I mean, you know, Credit deserves all the um, core deserves all the credit in the world for sticking with him after that New York start when everyone else is like this guy just can't do it. He's like, no, I think he can. Then you look at his World Series or even the last start in Houston, you're like, oh my god, where's right. this guy been? And it was the guy from the second half, you know. Yeah. But he's never never showed up in the playoffs before, and I mean, he was unbelievable. Were you in the uh, Were you in the in the room when he the, the uh, I hold all the cards now quote? I wasn't. No, <laughs> no, I was down in the clubhouse, uh-huh. but. Certainly saw video. That is, I mean, the guy, he deserved it. He deserved to pull his pants down and wave it at everybody. <laughs> I mean, and, and he virtually did. Yep. So uh, what's what's next for you? I mean, going into the winter, I know last year you did some Celtics stuff. Is that the plan again? Probably yeah, little Pats. little Pats, little Celtics. And then, you know, baseball never really ends. You right. Know, it's like... Winter meetings are coming up in a couple of weeks, and then you heading down to that. Yeah, awesome, very cool. I know owners owners uh, meetings is the, are this week coming up. I yep. believe right here before Thanksgiving. Um, what do you think of the pitch clock? I know that's the big topic. Manfred's brought it up a number of times that he really wants to see something get done. Uh, do you think that we might see that happen? I love the pitch clock personally as a big uh, <laughs> as a media time, guy. Yeah, <laughs> deadlines. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be pushback. There's absolutely going to be pushback where I mean, Price is one of the most uh, vocal, like, no, we shouldn't have a pitch clock guys out there because, you know, he said, game always speeds up on you. What are you taught to do? Slow down, take a deep breath, and, you know, he's not afraid to slow down. But 
I mean, I've, I've covered minor league games, and they fly by just with yeah. the pitch clock. And, you know, you can't have guys stepping out of the box four times. Right. You know, it's it's a much quicker game. It's more easily digestible. And, it, I mean, if they are losing fans, I mean, if you look, what was this, the fourth least watched World Series? I couldn't believe like that? that. I could not believe that. You have two major markets, two powerhouse teams going head-to-head. I mean, the Red Sox alone. I know the ratings weren't down in Boston. We know yeah. that. Uh, and then you have the Dodgers. I mean, it could be a little bit, a little bit of Dodgers fatigue from last year, but I don't really think so. No, and but, I mean, there's still so many young stars on those teams, too, that oh, you're yeah. like, you're not going to get a more marketable World Series than this one. So if you can't sell this, then you do have to do something. And I think the pitch clock is a great step in that direction. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, like you like you mentioned, you're going to be doing a little bit more of all the sports here. So I figured this might be an easy uh, re-entry for you yep, as we... Uh, Head into the full-on winter mode of Thanksgiving here coming up, but let's start with let's start with a little baseball. Let's talk MLB awards here. I know the big one here that a lot of people have their panties in a bunch is Alex Cora not winning the AL Manager of the Year. Bob Melvin of the Oakland Athletics wins it. I don't have a huge problem with this, especially when you look at the voting and the votes were due before the end of the regular mm-hmm. season, before the playoffs. Did you have a Did you have a vote on this one? No, I didn't. Who, um, who would you have voted? I would for? have gone with Cora, but I don't have a problem with Melvin winning it or Cash even. Like, what well, Kevin Cash did was unbelievable this right. year in Tampa Bay. Oh, the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen game. Every fourth day, he sends out. I mean, what he was able to do with those pitchers. I mean, you want to talk about pace of play. Yeah, you know, yeah. On each hand here, um, what he did was amazing, but also slowing the game down to a, a crawl. A, yeah. yeah, very much so. But Bob Melvin taking that Oakland Athletics team from seventy-five wins to ninety-seven wins this year, yep. compared to Cora, what the Red Sox finished with ninety-five-ish wins last last ninety-three year, last year to one hundred eight. Yeah, to one hundred eight. But I have a problem with the win differential in general because Cora punted the last two weeks of the season, three weeks of the season, whenever right. they had it wrapped up, and like he could have padded that more, but is obviously. Resting guys for the postseason, um, but even still, I, I would have no problem with Bob Mel- or I have no problem with Bob Melvin winning that award. Yeah, I, I mean, mean lowest payroll in baseball to make the playoffs is pretty unbelievable. It, it's it's it is remarkable. The Red Sox, uh, I th- the Red Sox, um, they almost had more dead money on the books than the Oakland Athletics had on yeah. their actual payroll between Castillo, Sandoval, Hanley. Uh, Alan Craig, and I think there's one more guy that I'm missing too off the top of my head. But it's just it is it is remarkable what Bob Melvin was able to do. And he also Chris Davis had a fantastic season, but he didn't have two perennial or two MVP candidates, even though JD Martinez and not we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, in his lineup, it's interesting that it's almost a different kind of managing that Cora is doing versus what Melvin's doing. You know, where yep. you have these pieces, you're trying to put them all together and win. Whereas when you have the giant payroll, you also have a lot of egos you have to manage. You have you know, um, like Hanley's a great example of someone that he, you know, like that was a huge move in May when he was like, nah, you're done. Get out. Yeah. Like, and obviously it didn't come back to hurt them at all. Um, Clubhouse very well could have helped them. It's it's like a different kind of managing that, I mean, I think Cora did an exceptional job with. And the pressure of being first year manager with the highest payroll in baseball in the market in Boston where it's rabid, you know, whereas Oakland and Tampa are both kind of playing with house money. Yeah. But then still, you look at the jobs that they did as like managing, managing, and it's unbelievable too. So we got a surprise in the AL Manager of the Year vote. You go to the AL MVP. Are we going to get see a surprise in this one, or did we already get our surprise by the top three um, who are were announced with Mookie, Mike Trout, and JD? Uh, not JD. I'm sorry, Jose Ramirez. <laughs> yeah. You can see what's on my mind here is JD Martinez <laughs> is not a top three. 
uh, candidate here, and he's not in the final vote. What, is that is that the biggest surprise with the AL MVP? I mean, this feels like it's movies award. Right? I think so. I think you're looking at it, it's going to be Betts, Trouts, Ramirez, uh, one, two, three. Um, I'd, I'd be shocked if Mookie doesn't win it given his season. Um, I mean, JD was a surprise to some extent, but if you look at, I mean, I think like Mookie is far and away my MVP, and then Trout is. You look at he had he's Mike Trout, and it was arguably the best season of his career, right? Like you look at his OBP it was four sixty something. It's Bonds ridiculous. Like. <laughs> um, and then I think like three through five were all pretty close between Ramirez. Uh, Martinez, you want to put Bregman in that conversation. If you're a home run guy, you want Chris Davis in that conversation. You know, like I thought those guys were a lot closer. Um, so I wasn't shocked. And especially if you consider uh, Betts and Martinez splitting a vote to some extent in Boston, where, you know, right. uh, maybe guys only wanted one Boston guy in their top three and they went with Betts. Yeah, it is. It is I, I do think it's just Mookie's award to win. Um, it feels like, I mean, what he did all, all season long and just, but. We we talked about this a couple. I believe like in the middle of the season, we kind of talked around the All Star break on on the podcast that Mookie the AL the MVP of the league, JD the MVP of the Red Sox. Yep. still feel that way. Yeah, and I mean, I think it all comes back to how you construe value. Like MVP, I, I've always seen it more as the most outstanding player than the most like valuable to a clubhouse per se, because it's so hard to gauge that around the league. It's one thing if you're in a clubhouse every day and you see the impact that JD has. But, I mean, if you're not in the Angel Clubhouse, it's a lot more difficult to gauge how valuable Trout is as, like, a locker room guy and anything like that. But, I mean, Martinez was huge in shifting the culture, along with Cora. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I've said it a few times. It's almost like Martinez is a baseball bookworm, like, made it cool to study, you know, go yeah. home, like, this is what I got on this pitcher, this is the dirt, like, what do you have, and, you know bring it all together. Um, I feel like with J.D. Martinez, we saw this a lot in pregame, just with him, the way he would go into the cage with the iPad, mm-hmm. I feel like that was brand new to the Red Sox. Like it was just, you know, like it just revolutionized hitting yeah. for the entire team. And some of that comes along with um, Hires and Barquette too, uh, bringing in the two new hitting coaches, more new age than Chile was. Um, but, I mean, yeah, J.D. had a swing coach all the time analyzing his swing, you know, going back and um, – I think that certainly set a tone for them, and he was incredibly valuable. And then quickly on the National League, Christian Yelich, uh, same similar to Mookie, I feel like this is yeah. his award. I mean, he completely ran away in September, hit 370 down the stretch. The Brewers were absolutely on fire uh, heading into the playoffs um, until they flamed out kind of in the NLCS. He hit 370 down the stretch, 10 home runs, and a 1.313 OPS um, which was which was better than I think the other two candidates, Javi Baez and Nolan Arenado. No disrespect to either one of those guys. No, exactly. I, exactly what you said. Like I think it, it's definitely Yelich's award. Uh, the other two had very nice seasons, but his is significantly better. All right, AL Cy Young. We talked about this at the at the uh, All Star break. This thing was locked up. Mm-hmm. That guy that had it locked up, not even a finalist. Um, I don't think he would trade the ending to his season for a Cy Young Award or anything nope. like that. But Chris Sale, not a top three guy. Um, hi, Ralph. Our, that's my, our dog right here uh, coming in to say hi. But anyways, Chris Sale, uh, not a finalist. You have Corey Kluber going for his second straight in third and third and four years, which is remarkable. And then you have Blake Snell and Justin Verlander also as the other two finalists. I think if Alex Cora had a vote, it would be Blake Snell. <laughs> oh, it would definitely be Blake Snell. He has a huge man crush on that guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, Snell had a phenomenal season. His ERA finished under two, didn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, it's just so funny. <laughs> like Any chance Cora would get to bring Blake Snell into a conversation – 
Oh, and that kid Snell down in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Always. Yeah, I, I, there was one, a couple quotes where like the we had three bad games, really bad games this season. All three were against yeah. Snell. I think that you got to give the kid. I mean, the kid was unbelievable. Twenty and yeah. five or whatever with like a one nine five ERA. Mm-hmm. Who who are you voting for here? Um, see, it's interesting. So this all really comes down to how much you value innings pitched. You know, where Verlander is going deeper into games, didn't go on the DL or anything like that, and he ends up at like two fifteen. Um, would Snell end up right around 180? Something like that. See, I still go with Snell, but it's it's just interesting to think, like, where would Snell be if he had to face batters a third time or fourth time the way that Verlander did, you know? It's it, it's really a personal preference thing, but I, I think Snell's too outstanding to, um, to, you know, pass up for this. Phenomenal. And then you go to the National League side, which I feel like this is the one that has potential to get people to riot in the streets. Yep. Um... What Jacob DeGrom did was absolutely unbelievable this season. Uh, and <laughs> when I saw that stat that if the Mets got him, like, th- if the Mets just got three runs each start he went, he would have went something like 25-1. and one. And if they got four runs each time he start, they would have went 32-0, and 0, yep. which is out of this world. That's how good Jacob DeGrom was this season. But then you look at Max Scherzer, who on – he this is where kind of that old guard kind of comes into play right where you have the win total 18 and 7 compared to DeGrom just 10 and 9 if he wins he'd be the lowest starting pitcher uh or the, the lowest win total for a starter to mm-hmm. ever win the Cy Young award i mean we remember Felix Hernandez with 13 and 12 at yep. 13 and 12 a few years back max hit that 300 strikeout mark uh ERA though DeGrom blew away a 170 ERA lower walks less home runs allowed i mean but where do you where do you look at this one? How do you feel on this? Uh, I'm strongly into Grom's camp here. Um, although him losing it would be the most Mets thing of all time. It like, would be. Look at what you guys did. <laughs> right. Like, you had by far the best pitcher in the league, and he still didn't win Cy Young because you could not score any runs for him. Um, you yeah, know, I, I don't value pitcher wins that much. I think it's just being a younger guy covering it, and you know the way we came up. But you you see so many ridiculous wins go to people, like especially in the bullpen, where like. Kimbrel will blow a save. They'll come back and win it in the bottom of the inning. And then, like, it's a vultured win. Yeah. but So I don't, that one never really mattered much to me. And if you look at their strikeouts, um, that's one that I think there is some substance to. But, I mean, I know Scherzer has 300. DeGrom's yeah. at almost 270. Like, I think that's almost a wash. I, I just think DeGrom was the best pitcher in baseball this year, really. Oh, hands down. And now now the, Met, the Mets have a really interesting situation. I mean, what, they hire his agent? To be the GM now, Brody Van Wagen or whatever his name is, guy with no front office experience in his entire career. I want to talk about some of the most Mets things you ever heard? Yep, there it is, right there. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to even say about the Mets at this point. My normal co-host Kevin, huge Mets fan, he kind of broke it down for us, but the team's just an absolute laughing stock. Yeah, I, I, I really just don't know what to say. So uh, I, I think we're just going to move on and go back to the Red Sox here, as the Sox have four guys who are all. Fairly big contributors down the stretch and in the playoff run who are free agents here that are coming up. And what the Red Sox decide to do is going to be interesting. Uh, first up, Craig Kimbrell. Me, if I'm in charge, you're letting him go. Yeah. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, I, I just think given the dollar amount, I mean, the way he's being billed by his agent as the best closer of all time and yep. like the money that he's going to be looking for, I don't think he's worth that at 30 already. Like, If you look, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I really do think that he wants the all-time saves record. Like that right. is something that isn't very seems very important to him. Yep. He's blowing Mariano Rivera away at age thirty oh, yeah. as to where they are. You know, he's got 
like 150, 200 more saves already. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, I have a hard time giving that much money to a closer that's that old. And his, like, it's kind of a one-trick pony, you know, in terms of he has the ninth. Yeah. Well, he's awesome in the ninth with the lead, but he only has the ninth. Yeah. He's not pitching the eighth. You know, he's not he's not really doing multi-innings. He might be tipping his curveball and a phone yep. call from Eric Gagne. Yeah? Yep, he could be. <laughs> and, I mean, I think the playoffs really proved that you don't need him. No. You know, to win a World Series. Not at all. I mean... I never felt, as a Red Sox fan, watching those games, every single time he came in, I never felt, my I, my stomach was in knots. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine it was like covering it because if I was you, it's like Red Sox, you know, I feel like, okay, my story is written and I feel like it's good. But then Kimbrel comes in, it's like, okay, don't hit save just yet because I might have to redo this entire thing. That's absolutely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, got a second story so, yeah, on open. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways... Interesting for the Reds. It's going to be an interesting scenario for the Red Sox here. There are some external options, like maybe bringing Andrew Miller back, mm-hmm. a guy who's coming off big time injuries this year. He's going to be, I think, he's going to be a cheap option as just a one year, maybe like a one year eight or nine million dollar guy yep. out of the bullpen. Who I think it'd be awesome to have him back. Always been a big Andrew Miller fan. Yep. Um, Maybe a guy like Joe Kelly, who's also a free agent, if you bring him back in, do you give Carson Smith a shot there? Do you give Tyler Thornburg a shot there? Or my dark horse, which I ran this by you a couple weeks ago. Uh, you were kind of in your baseball, kind of in a daze a little bit, just getting back from your trip. But what about the thought of, we've seen Chris Sale have these problems here, uh, you know, making it through an entire season. What about starting off the season with Chris Sale in the bullpen as your closer, slowly ramp him up, and then try to maybe find an option at the trade deadline to become your closer? See, I don't think that would work with Sale just because, one, I don't think he wants to do it. Two, it takes such a long time to build pitchers up, like, back into starting form. That's always the thing when a guy right. gets hurt in August. It's like, oh, well, can you make – will he be back by well, October? We saw it with will Chris. Yeah, exactly. And, like, there's still more to it with him where I think he was at maybe 70% in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. Um, ultimately, it might be something that has to happen long term. But I think he's going to be like, look at these seasons. I threw more than 200 innings. The second slide's happened. It isn't always terrible. I, I don't think he'd be thrilled with that idea at all. Um, he was awesome in the World Series at it. <laughs> he was. He absolutely was. I mean... Uh, it doesn't get any better than ninth inning in Game Five. Striking out Machado down the World Series, perfect ending. Knocking him down, <laughs> striking him out. Like, yeah, it was nasty. Um, but I think a lot of what the Red Sox do this offseason is going to come back to what ownership is willing to do. Like, if they say, "All right, here's your window," because you do see they have a like much smaller window than the Yankees have, for example. You yeah. Know? If they say, "All right, we have maybe two more years with this core," and like, you know, before. It might uh, only be one. You got Bogart, Bogarts is coming up, and yep. then slowly everybody's up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a ton next year. Sale, yeah. Porcillo, everyone. So if they say, like, all right, we have a chance to go back-to-back, we're going to really go for it, Yep. and you can spend freely, then I think you see a guy like Miller like could get brought in. Um, it, it just really all depends on where ownership stands. Dave said there's no mandate in place to stay like under the super, super luxury they went over right. this year or anything. Um, but I think a lot will come back to them and, like, how they really view this window. So in the bullpen, Joe Kelly, he coming back, what do you think? It's interesting. He, At the start of the season, I would have doubted it. but um, Roller coaster. <laughs> he, he always is. Uh, obviously, he was exceptional in October and could get paid because of that. Yep. But everything he said, he seems very happy in Boston. And with him, it doesn't seem like, you know, lip speak like, oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, lip service. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I love Boston. I definitely want to come back. It seems pretty genuine with him. I think he's happy here. Um, 
So I wouldn't be shocked to see him take slightly less than market value to stick around if they'll meet him halfway. Yep. And then, um, but in terms of like a closer for next year, I really think like right off the bat, Barnes Barnes jumps out to me as a guy that like he showed you in October he can pitch in high pressure moments. Yep. He's always someone that seemed relatively unfazed when he does blow a game, you know, and I think you need that short memory as a closer where you can come back the next day and be like, well, yeah, you know. Um, as far as other options, I mean, Thornburg's always going to be a question mark. Carson Smith, they actually outrighted off the roster. Oh, did they? Yep. Wow. Um, which. <laughs> Ryan Brazier. Brazier, yeah. that's He, he was one of the guys that Cora named as an, or, um, Dave named as an internal candidate. You know what's up with Brazier? What's up with the head tilt with Brazier? Have you noticed how he's always his head is always uh, tilted to the left? Yeah, I've no noticed, matter what. But I got no answer for it. No, he's got. Is there something in his maybe an extra? Is he double jointed? Yeah, I mean he's so, got an ass about it and just has no answer. No, okay, he has no answer. Yeah. All right. So two other uh, guys I want to touch on quickly here. We'll wrap up the baseball talk. Um, the man who endeared himself to all of New England and is now a fan favorite. I think he's a lot of people's even favorite player on the team now yep. with what he did in the month of October. And that's Nathan Avaldi, score one for Dave Dombrowski, big time there. Absolutely. Avaldi, uh, is he going to get a huge deal? Or is he going to get a middle of the road, like a three year deal in that, like three years, maybe high upper 50s kind of contract yeah, there. That's that's exactly what I'd guess. Maybe someone gets crazy and gives him a fourth year. Right. But I think, like, you know, at the end of the year, the Red Sox kind of have a leg up on everyone else because they have his medicals right now and they yeah. know where his arm is at. I mean, obviously, he looked great in October and was, like, willing to do that after his second Tommy John. That's got to take a toll on you, you know? Yep. Um, I mean, I, I think he's absolutely a guy you want to bring back. He's a character guy. As yeah, how you could you know, too. Exactly. What he did. Um, and then again, I guess it comes back to ownership and like what they think the window is and yep. like what they're willing to spend. But I mean, you look at that guy's postseason, how do you not try and offer him a ton of money? You know? I mean, part of me does wonder with the way they used Evaldi in the play, in the playoffs, especially in the World Series, as, a, all right, this is pretty much it. Are we just going to run this guy yeah. into the ground? Because they can, because he's got, they have no financial ties to him anymore right now or or was he just that's what they needed and he gave it to him well it's interesting to see the way they managed uh Evaldi, like a pending free agent and the way the dodgers managed walker bueller yeah you know like a, oh, a yeah. guy that's you know had arm issues is young and has a ton of team control where like they definitely could have used him in a few spots but yep. you know it's, it's just not going to happen absolutely and then the other need the red sox will need to address is if the world series mvp decides to leave and that's steve pierce they're mm-hmm. going to need a right-handed bat to platoon kind of with mitch moreland and maybe play in some other spots as well pierce i mean he was a rock star in the world mm-hmm. series can't really deny can't deny that i mean what he did in october and then i mean it started off early in the playoffs with his defense he was stretch pierce mm-hmm. and then he goes into just being Stud Pierce yep. all over the place, hitting home runs left and right. Um, Steve Pierce, I think he's going to get a one-year deal somewhere. Why not forgive it? See, that's that's the thing the Red Sox have going for him is the fact that he's 35. Yep. You know, if he's 30, has that World Series, he's long gone. He's getting like life-changing right. money. Um, but if he's on a one-year deal and he knows, and the Red Sox are willing to, you know, say, hey, here's like I don't know, eight million dollars or yeah. something like that. I, I think it'd be hard for him to pass that up. I mean, you can't. I don't think there's going to be a better option for what he fits their needs so perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen he's proven himself. Yeah, I mean, why not? And Cora just kept putting him in positions to succeed, and I think he realizes that too. Yep. Any other? Uh, so as we wrap up baseball talks uh, with the Red Sox here, any other any other targets that the Red Sox might have in mind here as we go? It's not a really a huge. Obviously, they're not going to be in on Bryce Harper. No, they're not going to be in on Manny Machado. Uh, those are the two big names out there. 
Anyone else that we might just yeah. minor moves? I, yeah, I think it's just going to be periphery guys, really. Um, and a lot of it, too, just comes back to whether or not they end up bringing Kimbrell back because mm-hmm. that $18 million or whatever it is could go a long way in smaller places. Yep. But, you know, if you, if you make that deal, you're not going to have a ton of wiggle room. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk a little football here. Uh, the uh, the Boston fo- area football team, the New England Patriots, a little bit of trouble. Uh, did not look too good on Sunday down in Tennessee. We're back to where we were in September with the skies falling. This team is not good. They're not going to win on the road. Do you believe the Pats are truly in trouble, or is it just a sign of well, Brady just did. Brady had an off day. We don't have Gronk out there. Uh, Sony Michelle just coming back from injury. No Shaq Mason. Uh, the defense. We know what the defense is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your feelings on the Patriots? I think it's a little of column A, a little of column B there, where like there are some red flags in that game. Yep. There are some things you can work through. I mean, I, I don't buy the oh Brady's got a noodle arm thing now. It's like no, yeah. you look you look at. You're not going to go Kellerman on us, all right? No. That, I mean, <laughs> Rob Parker. Yeah, I, I saw the comments. It's like, you watch that game, it's not really an arm issue. It's a decision-making issue. You know, like forcing the ball to Josh Gordon 12 times right. when it's just not there. And like passing up Chris Hogan, who was open a lot. Which, the Hogan thing's interesting because yeah. it's almost like he's out of the circle of trust. It is. I mean, and you think back, like he had that one uh, pick earlier in this year that like hit right off his hands, went into a yep. defender's hands. You wonder how much that like rattles Brady's trust. Right. But he needs to trust that guy. And see, this is where I think like in terms of red flags, there just aren't that many guys that I think Brady really trusts. Yeah. Like there's no Danny Amendola. He's gone. Gronk's health has been an issue. Gronk's health is always an issue, but Edelman's coming back from an ACL, you know? Like, there's a lot of things where, I mean, you get Josh Gordon halfway through the year, you're trying to, like, bring him along, but he's not in Montana working on roots in July or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the Patriots are in an odd spot because for the first time in quite some time, on Thanksgiving, the Patriots are not going to be currently in a position uh, where they're where they currently hold a bye mm-hmm. spot on Thanksgiving. Both Pittsburgh, well, actually, I think if Pittsburgh loses this week, they fall back behind the Patriots. But um, And then Kansas City, who is just an absolute freight train, even though the Pats did beat them, they currently have a two-game advantage on the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Luckily for the Pats, they still have three more games with the Jets and Bills. Yep. Miami, we know that's always going to be a trouble spot, but it's not a primetime game this year. It's a 1 o'clock game in Miami. Should be a little different. Um They've won. They've won down there once in the last four years, which is just it's 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 so weird. Yeah, something happens in the state of Florida with the Patriots that it just does not go well. It's one of those places Brady just never really plays well. Yeah, for whatever reason, you know, like he's a California kid too. So it's not. Yeah, I don't know how you can blame the weather. It's one of those things where like you look at uh, he, he struggles in Denver, and you're like, well, they usually have a nasty defense. There's right. altitude, whatever. Then you look at the Miami one, you're like, huh? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's it is weird. And then you have home matchups with the Vikings. And then a road trip to the Steelers, who I fully expect the Patriots to win that game because they just yeah. own that team. Always. Um, do you think that, I mean, do you think the Patriots, when all said and done, will have a bye? I'm not saying that they're going to catch the Chiefs, but do you think they'll be at least that two seed? I think they will be the two seed. I don't think they'll pass the Chiefs for the one, and I think that could be a problem down the road. It absolutely could be. And speaking of the Chiefs, do you expect this team to truly keep rolling, or do you see the normal Chiefs that we you are used to seeing that 
Thanksgiving comes, they just somehow just every the parts start start falling off, and then Andy Reid we get into the playoffs in those close situations, and he doesn't know what the hell to do, despite <laughs> being in this lead for fifty years now or whatever it is that he's been in. Um, I, I do think this is a different Chiefs team because I think that kid a quarterback's different. Like I, I think Mahomes is he's a stud. Legit, like. Without and you haven't had that before. You've been like, oh, well, they're, they're a Chiefs team that's good at a lot of things. And they have Alex Smith, who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like Some of the plays that Mahomes makes, you look at and you're like, all right, this kid's legit. You know, He's got every weapon imaginable between Kelsey, Hill, Watkins, uh, Hunt out of the backfield. I mean, anything you can imagine he's got, they have on that offense. And Andy Reid is pushing every single right button right now with that team, um, except for a few mistakes in Foxborough. <clears throat> Going to the Chiefs this week, they were supposed to take on the other 9-1 team in the league, the uh, Los Angeles Rams in Mexico on Monday night. And I kind of hope that what happened here, they they completely scrapped this. I don't really like – the overseas games, I just think it's bad. The players don't really like it from what no. we've heard. They definitely don't like going to Mexico. Oh, Belichick um, last year, yeah. you remember? Oh, yeah. Belichick was pissed last year, and now this year – the field, they decide to have a Shakira concert. I mean, it's 2006 all over again. We're having a Shakira concert a week, eight days, before you're supposed to have the two best teams in football, the game of the year on Monday night. And the field looks like absolute dog shit. It looks like someone just took a tractor and just ran, like, just did, they were doing donuts yep. all over the entire field. Um, do you think this hurts? Who? Do you think this is going to end up hurting the Chiefs more now that that's a true road game instead of a neutral site game? Uh, a little bit, not a ton. Um, I think it's the most NFL thing ever that this is happening. And it's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and good on the players for coming out and being like, no, I'm not going to play in that game on that field because that field is terrible. Um, I, I, I don't think it, like, obviously it sways it a little bit. I, I don't think it's a huge, um, huge disadvantage, though. I was already going to that game kind of feeling like the Rams had an edge. I, I don't, yeah. I feel like the Rams. The Rams' defense is nothing to write home about either, but I think that that defensive line with Donald and Sue is definitely a significant advantage for them compared to Kansas City. Yep. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that game more specifically. We'll make a couple a couple picks as there are a lot of good games on the slate this weekend. But the uh, defending Super Bowl champions, the Eagles, uh, dropping putting up another stinker. Uh, they're losing to the Dallas Cowboys at home. You know that doesn't sit well. A true Super Bowl hangover now in effect for the Eagles. You think? Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say that at this point. Um, you must have to start wondering how much they overachieved last year if this is what they've really regressed to. I mean, I know a lot of teams have trouble a year after winning, but where are they sitting at now? They're four, four and five. five. Yep. yep. They're, uh, two, they're two games behind the Washington Redskins, who I feel like nobody's talking to it, talking about at all. They're very sneakily in first, very quietly in first place. I, I think mean, sneakily is the right word sneakily, there. Sneakily, yes. is that the right word? All right. Yes, um, I mean, you look at every other division leader. you got the, you know, the Pats, Steelers, Texans, Chiefs. None of those are really surprising. Then the NFC. The Bears are a surprise, I think, in truly being in first, just seeing what Khalil Mack did to change that team. Yeah. Saints, no surprise. The Rams, no surprise, both won the division last year. And then you have the Redskins there with Alex Smith, yep. who we just just mentioned. It's it's kind of funny to see the Redskins be the team, like the division leader with the least buzz, because the NFC East is always the one that's shoved down your throat. Like, right. these are the teams. They're in yep. prime time all the time. Like, oh, the, the Cowboys are legit every year yep. until they're not every year. Um but then to actually see the NFC East leader as the quietest one is kind of funny. The Washington, yeah, when they, they he's throwing the ball to Vernon Davis. Yep. And I mean, I, I mean, the wide receivers on that team can't really. I mean, they don't really have any 
this is their star. I mean, they have Josh Norman who makes headlines on his own, but the Washington Redskins, I feel like, don't have that star either. They're no. just quietly in first place. I thoroughly expect them to get smacked in the first round of the playoffs and probably bounce yep. out to someone like the Panthers or uh, the uh, the Bears or Vikings here. But it, 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 things are starting to shape up as we head to uh, Thanksgiving. One other note here, headline, Le'Veon Bell, Complete, he did not report to Pittsburgh. Sitting out the season, the Steelers, I don't really think he'd make a difference on that record. James Conner no. has done everything, if not even a little bit more, than what Lev, Del- Lev Bell's done in the past few years anyway. Um, you think the Steelers truly miss him? No, I really don't. If, I mean, what are they, 6-2-1? and one, Like, Conner's been legit. I don't think they do. And you have that guy, I mean... They've had so many locker room issues, whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, oh, we're Facebook living post-game. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't think he's with the program, so I don't think it's hurt them. I don't when know you what have the program like, is. Yeah, that's that's also fair. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what a loser move. <laughs> I mean, he's passing up $15 million, and then when you see those tweets resurface about sitting out a year from, like, 2013, when he's saying, oh, like, you'd be stupid to ever do it, and then he goes and does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just <laughs> social media wins again. Uh, the freezing cold takes or whatever. Um, but anyways, let's make a couple picks here against the spread. Uh, a lot of interesting games this weekend um, going on in the NFL. I mean, starting off Thursday night, Green Bay at Seattle. Even though those teams are kind of underachieving, still interesting one. You got got teams like Dallas at Atlanta, Carolina, Detroit, all interesting one. And let's talk. Uh, let's start off with those Washington Redskins we were just talking about. The Texans heading into Washington, Houston, a road favorite. They're two and a half point favorites going into Washington. I feel like this is the game we're going to find out a lot about either one of these teams. Mm-hmm. This is a big matchup on both sides. I think I'm going to go with the Redskins here. I feel like Alex Smith will get it done. Deshaun Watson has not been very impressive this year in his second year. I mean, coming off that knee injury, it's tough to really truly grade him. But I feel like Alex Smith will be able to do just enough. And you have a home you have a home divisional leader getting points. I'm going to jump all over that one. I'm going to take the Texans. All right. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Everything we said about the Redskins and having no star players and just kind of doing it under the radar, I, I think rings true to some extent. I think Watson's knee has been a factor, but usually it takes some time for these guys to start getting acclimated. Sometimes it's a whole year, but sometimes it's a couple of months. And I think the more he moves on that, the better he's going to be. Um, so I'll, I'll take Houston All with right. the points. Next up, going to the NFC North, a battle for first place this week. The Chicago Bears, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Minnesota Vikings. This is Sunday night football underneath the lights at Soldier Field. I feel like it's been a long time since we've had this kind of game. NFC North, that doesn't involve Aaron Rodgers for first place yep. on Sunday night football. Uh we're gonna. I think, like we just said about, we're gonna find out a lot about either one of these teams. Same with this game, because is Mitchell Trubisky for real? I don't think so. I mean, he started off great. He had a monster game against the the Buccaneers, but everybody's having a monster game against the Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, I just think Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook is back. Stephon Diggs is supposed to be healthy. Max going to get a, his. He, Mac will get his as long as he's healthy too. I mean, he's coming on. He's had a lot of injuries with that ankle um, and that leg. But I like the Vikings here on the road to go into Soldier Field and get, come out with a win. So I'm taking the Vikings plus two and a half. I'm going with the Bears. All right. <laughs> um, no, I, I think all those things you said about Soldier Field, they're actually being a real game there. You know, um, In November. <laughs> you know, a meaningful game. You know, Sunday Night Football. I think that play is going to be juiced up. I think Mac really has completely transformed that defense. I mean, some of the plays that guy makes are unbelievable on yeah. a weekly basis. I mean, just putting guys on roller skates. Um yeah, so I'll take the Bears. 
All right, and then last up, the game we were just talking about, possibly the game of the year, the 9-1 Rams, two-and-a-half-point favorites. This is the spread from when, from when it was supposed to be in Mexico. Um, I looked. It still has not moved, so it's still a two-and-a-half-point. Really? Rams, uh, fav- uh, Rams, Rams are uh, giving two-and-a-half points to the Chiefs here. I This is tough because... Like I was saying all those things about Aaron Donald and Nick and Sue, I just feel like this is going to get into a last possession type game. And it might end up being only... Someone might sneak out with a one-point win here. And for that reason, I kind of want to take the Chiefs. You're going to take Andy Reid in a last possession uh, game? I know. I know I am. It's, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> On the road, but I just feel like the Chiefs are a wagon right now. Where the Rams, we've seen them kind of slip up. Green Bay should have beaten them. Mm-hmm. Then they go and lose to New Orleans. And then this past week, U.S. saw Seattle hang in there with them through most of that game until they finally were able to pull away. The Chiefs, I think, are better than all three of those teams. I don't think they're going to have a problem. Weather's going to be perfect in Los Angeles, um, as long as hopefully no fire gets near the near the Coliseum anyway. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here getting points. I like, I like the Chiefs, too. Um, basically for all the reasons you outlined and. I think this will be Mahomes, I don't know, nineteenth, like coming out party this year. It seems like every week it's like, right. all right, this is when he's gonna come. Like this is when he's gonna light it up. And then he lights it up, and it's like, okay, he's gonna really light it up here, and he kind of keeps raising the bar. So I, I like the Chiefs in that game too. All right, and then moving on, college football here, uh, Clemson beating BC. They beat uh, BC, hung in there, you know, just because that stout defense in the cold weather, I think, f- th- slowed down Clemson a little bit. But Clemson, they're catching on. Trevor Lawrence is healthy now. Concussion symptoms are, are in the rearview mirror. Those wide receivers, they have the playmakers. I feel like they're getting hot at the right time here, and they are true. I think they are truly the only team that's going to be able to challenge a fully healthy Alabama, which we'll talk about in, just, in a minute. Um, from what we've seen from Clemson, you know, eking out wins early on in the year and now fully just unloading on teams. <laughs> Any reason to not like the Tigers going in here down the stretch? No, I don't think so. Um... I do have a bone to pick with BC for the way they played that game in the fourth quarter. It was such a like the backup loser. Yeah. I know it was a backup quarterback, but it's such a loser saving face thing. Like, oh yeah, we're down three scores, like fourth and short, like near midfield. Really need to go for it. No, oh, we're gonna punt again because we only want to lose by twenty instead of maybe thirty-five at home. I I, I hate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I I do think uh, yeah, Clemson should run the table in the ACC, and you'll see them there. No problems there. Um, yeah, BC. I mean, my problem with BC was there. There's, I mean, not that I can really name a bunch of celebrities outside of Doug Flutie that went to BC, and I know he's on Notre Dame coverage, so he couldn't be there for game day. But Chris O'Donnell, that's what you got. Yep, that's that's what they rolled out there for the for the morning. I mean, they couldn't get one of the Red Sox. I mean, I know it's not a BC guy, but they couldn't get a, a Sox Sox player, or even like one of the Celtics. I mean, Celtics were on the West Coast, but even a Bruin. I mean, Tuco was available. <laughs> he wasn't with the team, but uh, that's really what they roll out there. And then just seeing um, what's his uh, you know, just a couple of the guys on game day pick BC. There was no chance BC uh, was going to win no. that game. Somehow they made it a push because Clemson was a twenty point favorite. They won by twenty points, so good for BC. They're screwing the gamblers, but. Uh, uh, maybe it does. He had the spread. Maybe yeah, that's may, why. Maybe he did. Maybe that. Maybe he did. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Steve Adazio has done a very good job yeah. bringing BC back. I mean, there was some college football buzz in in New England for the first mm-hmm. time in since Matt Ryan. Yeah. So hey, they hosted game day. So yeah, absolutely. And now game day going to another odd place. They're going to Manhattan because Syracuse, who's number twelve in the country, thinking about bringing programs all the way back, is taking on Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Notre Dame. I mean this. Is if, if they're going to lose a game here before the playoff, 
This would be the one, I would think. Well, yeah, because they don't play anybody. Well, they have. At, well, they do have to go to USC, who's having a down year. But yeah, they had Notre uh, this one, and then at USC next week. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose to Syracuse, but Syracuse has battled hard all year long. Looking at the over/under of this game, sixty-five points. That's absurd. <laughs> We're going to have a shootout. The shootout in the Bronx uh, for for that one there. And then moving on to Alabama, I feel like the only thing that's going to derail this team is if Tua keeps getting hurt. Um, we see you know, he got taken out of that game against Mississippi State. Uh, we saw that the helmet hit to the knee. He has gotten taken out a couple times there. He was in the uh, the the tent, the mystery, the mystery tent there. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Hurts has brought them to a national championship. He hasn't won one. He allowed the, he allowed Clemson to come back and could, just couldn't get the ball, you know, because Clemson had the ball last. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Alabama is argue. I think they are possibly the best college football team we've seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, well, any reason not to like Alabama? I mean, I mean, they're nasty to everything, and Saban finally has a quarterback. Yeah. Like, that's a thing. I saw a stat the other day that he said first-round picks at every single position. Multiple. Yeah, multiple. And but every, but quarterback. quarterback. It's it, Now you're seeing what the best college coach is like when he has a five-star recruited quarterback. And yep. the scary thing about them is two is not draft eligible. No. <laughs> Which he could go in and they could be even better next year. But do you think if he's truly hurt, does that make them vulnerable and bring them back towards maybe – Clemson and Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia. In the playoffs, yeah, that definitely makes them more like, yeah, I guess vulnerable is a word to use. Um, I think even in the SEC championship game, because yeah. you're gonna have Georgia, a team that they, you know, that lost to them in the national title game, be only because of Tua. They were rolling over Alabama when Jalen yep. Hurts was in. Uh, so that's gonna be something to watch here and to see if Alabama monitors that. I mean, they're playing what the title. They are, yeah, the title <laughs> this weekend. So I don't think Tua shouldn't even step on the field. There's no excuse, really, for him to even step on the field this weekend. I don't know. Citadel's trying to get bowl eligible, man. They yeah, might be hungry. Right? <laughs> going into uh, Tuscaloosa and pulling out the win there. But uh, no change for the first time here in the college football playoff. Uh, you have Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. Then you have Oklahoma, Georgia, on the out- and Ohio State on the outside. Any problems there with no, ch- no change of the four teams? No, I think it works. I mean, I have a problem with Notre Dame being ranked that highly in general all the time. But um, they, got, no, they, as they, a, they beat Michigan. Uh-huh. Number three taking down number four there. Mm-hmm. So they got that one win. Um, that one. <laughs> they, got that, they got that one. That's right. Um, and then moving on here, we'll just touch on some NBA things. The Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, for Dario Saric and Covington, and then I think a first-round pick going back to Minnesota. The Celtics and the rest of the East on notice now. Does that Do you think that puts Philadelphia ahead of Boston? I don't think it puts them ahead. I think it definitely puts them into the conversation that I don't think they were entirely in before. Yep. Um, just looking at the last postseason. But my God, like the drama in the NBA is so much better than the actual basketball. Oh, like it is. Every- it's fantastic. I mean, compared to any other league. I mean, the NFL, I mean, you have the boneheaded drama of the NFL. But then the NBA, you have real just like juicy, just like, oh, these guys are just so petty. Oh, <laughs> it's they- awesome. I mean, yeah, Butler gets traded there. Shoot a three, you coward. Like, Right. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's incredible. But I, I do think that they're like, the East is looking tougher than everyone thought it was coming yeah. into the season, especially because the Celtics have looked the way they have. Right. I mean, they're, they're ice cold, a horrible road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that whole thing. Do you have a problem with what Kyrie did in Denver? Uh, Jamal Murray goes off for trying to shoot. The, he shoots the three there at the end to try to get over 50 points. Oh, I got no problem with that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's more like NBA drama that I love. I mean, and the quote afterwards is like, no, like... He did that. I'm kicking his career ball into the stands. Right. Someone has a <laughs> someone has a souvenir now. Like, oh, it's all fantastic. Yeah, it's. I mean, honestly, Kyrie, if you had that big of a problem with it, why didn't you have a problem with points one through forty eight? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, the Celtics. 
Gordon Hayward alluding today that he'd be okay with coming off the bench. Do you think that could possibly be an answer here? I mean, someone's got something's got to give with the Celtics. There's so many guys that need the ball that mm-hmm. you got to space these guys out a little bit. Um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum kind of treading water a little bit as far as their progressions goes this season. Yep. And Kyrie asking, basically alluding at almost, almost what he's alluding at is that he wants Carmelo, a 14, 15-year vet. Which is the last thing the Celtics need. Yeah. Like talking about too many cooks in the kitchen to begin with. Right. Um, Celtics, they're going to be fine. Where do you see them? I mean, Thanksgiving, just early season struggles with these guys trying to get everybody to mesh. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like the NBA is so different than the NHL where, like, Thanksgiving rolls around. And, yeah. you know, the NHL, there's, like, really little movement after that. The NBA, I think they can get so hot and so cold. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any problem with bringing Hayward off the bench. I mean, doing something different because, obviously, what you're doing right now isn't working. Yeah. But now the Celtics return here, home here for uh, their next four games. I think that should. We'll find out a lot. A lot about them uh, here in the next four games coming up um, for the Celtics. And then the last thing here, the Warriors. You got Draymond Green's now suspended from the team for a game because him and Kevin Durant just, you know, can't keep it together and they're just having a pillow fight basically in the locker room Mm -hmm. here. Uh, Draymond accusing Durant of his upcoming free agency being a distraction to the team. I feel like this is the only way that – the only team that can beat the Warriors is the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Is that if they just – Explode, implode, and it, and just everything just bursts into flames. There, um, I mean, I don't think it's realistically going to happen. But what do you make of that? Again, it's more drama that's awesome to eat up. Like I don't, I think they'll probably get it back on the rails. But I mean, they're so unprecedented to begin with. You know that it's, yeah. you know, we're kind of in uncharted territory with them. Um, I thought Durant's press conference last night was hilarious. When oh, have you have you and Draymond gotten a chance to you know kind of make things right, make up? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's just, it's it's so NBA and it's awesome. <laughs> it's so petty. I mean, the NBA, the headline machine, the, the NBA. Is, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's great for talk for talk for talk radio, yeah. pod sports podcast, anything. I mean, there's so many different things that we didn't touch on that we could touch on with just the NBA alone. Just a drama podcast, and yep. it would just be, and it would you could put out an episode every week. Well, it's incredible just because it's such a player driven league. That's what uh, uh, talking to Mark Cuban last year. He was saying like. Yeah, these guys, like, we encourage them to be outspoken and basically do whatever they want because they know that we need them. You know, it's it's like no other sport, really, where you have these guys that can are, are so essential to team success that, like, you know, LeBron leaves Cleveland and look at the seismic shift that that causes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the drama is just incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me this week. Uh, you can follow Chris at ByChrisMason on Twitter. You can follow me at dwadi 93 uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Subscribe at, at After Further Review at AFR Pod on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, have a good Thanksgiving if we don't talk to you. And uh, thanks again for listening.